Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. The show was, of course, Commodity Watch Radio, hosted in association with MindSight, but the name has now changed. The Wizard of Oz, the celebrated children's classic by Frank Baum, was later made into one of the most successful musicals of all time with Judy Garland. And it's said to have been an allegory about US monetary policy in the late 19th century. Bill Still, the director of The Money Masters, one of the most talked about financial videos on the internet, which looked at how international bankers gained control of America, has written and produced a new film called The Secret of Oz, which looks at the possible symbols within the celebrated children's classic and at how the story may provide answers to the current debt crisis facing the Western world. Bill Still, hello, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, it's such a pleasure to be on a British, uh, a British show, Dom. <laughs> Hearing a sensible accent at last. Right. <laughs> why don't we start? Why don't you tell us about um, the allegories that lie within The Wizard of Oz? Well, the most important symbol is the yellow brick road and the silver slippers, uh, which were on the feet of Dorothy, the uh, protagonist of the film. However, uh, in the book version, uh, the, the slippers were silver. Uh, in the movie version, they changed it uh, because of the new Technicolor process. They changed the silver to ruby, and thereby much of the symbolism was lost or confused. But uh, when, you, when you look at the book version in the light of the political climate of uh, the late 1800s in the United States, specifically the presidential election of 1896 where William Jennings Bryan ran against uh, Mr. McKinley, uh, then it, it starts to come into focus. Back in, in those days, the, the primary issue of the campaign was this question of whether America would remain on a gold-only money system or whether silver money would be added uh, to the money system to break the back of the banker-induced post-Civil War depression, uh, which was extremely severe in America, much worse than the depression of the 1930s. For example, in the 1930s, according uh, to Milton Friedman, the, the Great Depression was caused by the Fed reducing the American money supply by 33% over a four-year period. In the uh, post-Civil War Depression, which ran for 30 years, uh, the money supply was reduced by 84% during that 30-year period. And this is in the face of a huge population boom as uh, the United States expanded westward. It was reduced to the point where there was uh, only $6 per capita remained in circulation, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, so in any case, people were mad in the United States, and the number one issue was this money issue. That's why when William Jennings Bryan gave his cross of gold speech at the Democratic Convention to seize the nomination. Uh, it was considered to be the greatest 
uh, political speech given uh, at a convention uh, in all of American history. So the issue was whether silver could be added to the gold money supply. In other words, the bankers had been able to corner the, to control tightly the amount of gold money in circulation. And uh, this, this caused a, a tremendous financial hardship. There was just no money uh, to use as a medium of exchange. So people wanted silver money added to the money supply. People wanted the quantity of money increased. It's, this was a quantity issue. That's the secret behind, that's the secret of Oz, the secret of the Wizard of Oz, that this is a quantity issue. It doesn't matter what backs your money. All that matters is who controls its quantity. Will it be uh, the Congress of the United States, for example, in the case of the United States, or will it be a group of unelectable bankers, as was the case in 1896, uh, as uh, uh, L. Frank Baum was observing the political situation and published his book, uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, in 1900. My goodness, 84%. That's, uh, I mean, that's an astonishing uh, uh, decrease in the money supply. Absolutely astonishing. Now, uh, and, and in fact, I believe that the, um, the Great Depression... Uh, of, of the late 19th century was known as the Great Depression until something like 19, till the 1950s. And I think it was only in the 1950s that the Depression of the 30s suddenly became the, the Great Depression. Um, so at what stage did silver re-enter? Was it acceptable once again as money in the U.S.? Uh, it, it was it was gradually, uh, uh, the, there was something called the Sherman Silver Purchase Act in the early uh, uh, the early portion of the mid portion of the post civil war depression and that was repealed and then thereafter it was sometime uh, after the passage of the federal reserve act in 1913 i don't know exactly the date and so at, in the, at, at one stage in the late 19th century gold and only gold was acceptable as money and nothing else that's correct and this this of course has happened several times in American history. In fact, <clears throat> that's, that's why uh, American monetary history is so illustrative of this problem, because uh, we, we have fought against this system time and time again. In fact, uh, gold, uh, Britain mandating a gold-only money system was said by Benjamin Franklin to be the primary cause of the American Revolution. So we've gone back and forth between a gold-only money system and uh, fiat money or or other combinations of gold and silver money uh, as many as six or seven different times throughout American history. So there's really not, no other place where you can see such a, a dramatic shift between the various different uh, uh, types of money supplies. I don't see how you have, would there have been paper notes uh, that were representative of gold or was it just gold coinage and only gold coinage? Oh no, it was paper notes as well. There are paper notes and gold coinage. I see. But, I mean, I, I, I don't see how that works. You have to have silver and even, you know, copper or bronze for, for smaller transactions. Uh, there were, I believe there were copper coins as well. Prior to this uh, Great Depression, had there been a build-up of debt, much as there was today? Uh, you mean uh, prior <clears throat> to the Civil War? Prior to the Great Depression of the, uh, you know, the 1870 to 1900 Depression? Uh, well, actually, it, it ran from uh, 1864 uh, to 1900. Okay, I beg your pardon. 
if we're in a depression now, and some people argue that we do, um, pri- that we are, prior to this depression, there was a huge build-up of debt. And similarly, there was a huge build-up of debt in the 1920s, uh, which led to, you know, the big deflationary bust. Was there a similar um, build-up of debt in the period up to 1864? Uh, I don't think so, but I, I do not know for sure. Uh, I think it was just a, a, a different situation. Then. OK, so it wasn't a debt-induced depression then. Right. So you've you've explained some of the uh, the the allegories. I mean, I I understood, for example, that uh, the 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 straw man was to rep- was representative of the farmers, and the tin man was representative of of industry, and the lion was representative of of, of the military. Is that uh, another allegory? No, we can the lion look- was representative of William Jennings Bryan. Uh, Bryan, <laughs> coincidentally, you know, rhymes with lion, but. Uh, it, uh, the lion was said by uh, Professor Rockoff of Rutgers to be a good choice uh, for uh, the uh, leading orator of his day. Um, he was uh, said to be the cowardly lion because uh, there are a number of theories, but I, the one that I favor is after the 1896 election where Bryan lost, uh, he saw that uh, this wasn't going to work either. And so uh, he started to modify his position, and uh, the the uh, greenbackers, who were essentially were were those people favoring uh, the issuance of debt-free uh, U.S. notes as opposed to what we have now, Federal Reserve notes, uh, debt-free money issued by uh, the government, by the Treasury, uh, controlled by the Congress. Um, the greenbackers had uh, saw that Brian was wavering, and so. They called him cowardly, and so uh, when Baum wrote The Wizard of Oz, uh, probably in about 1899, it was published in early 1900, he picked up on this, and so that's why The Cowardly Lion. Oh, I see. I mean, I'd always believed that the message of the film, and this is, uh, sorry, of of the book, and this is prior to having seen your film, I thought um, follow the yellow brick road meant simply follow the gold standard. And uh, the Yellow Brick Road led, of course, to the Emerald City. And I thought the Emerald City was a symbol of, of uh, the, the greenback, as you say. But it, um, the fact that there was no one behind it and it was all a big veneer was to show the emptiness of, of, of the paper greenback, that it meant nothing. Um, you correct that interpretation in the film. Why don't you explain where I've got that wrong? Well, I mean, that just that uh, totally flies in the face of, of the, the local history at the time. And the, the issue was, uh, in the book, uh, the Yellow Brick Road is a dangerous road, uh, fill, fraught with all sorts of dangers, and it's only because Dorothy is wearing the silver slippers that the group can traverse uh, the dangerous yellow brick road. Uh, I thought, wasn't um, it? Wasn't it that whenever she strayed from the yellow brick road, she ran into danger? But as long as she kept on the yellow brick road, she was okay. Um, you know, I'd have to reread it again. I, I, I'm sure of that interpretation. Okay, but anyway, ca- carry okay. on. Uh, my my uh, my view is is that the yellow brick road was dangerous, and it led. The Emerald City. Now, the the symbolism is not perfect. I mean, after all, uh, if it was perfect, then we we all certainly would have known about it. But he was, Baum was throwing in, like all writers do, everything in the kitchen sink, um, trying to make a living as a writer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can, um, can I just add something there? 
that's one of the problems with interpreting the messages of this book, in my opinion, is that um, if you compare it to another famous allegory, which is George Orwell's Animal Farm, or even Voltaire's Candide, the the allegory is much clearer. Whereas in, in, there are many cases here where, in in The Wizard of Oz, where you know it's impossible to interpret things in different ways, and perhaps. I mean, you know, The Wizard of Oz is a brilliant story. It's a children's classic. But perhaps as an allegory, that's where it's, it, it has some shortcomings. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's an imperfect allegory for sure. But uh, it, it, if it leads, leads you to look at the monetary history of the United States in that period, then it becomes much more understandable. Uh, there have been uh, numerous uh, scholarly papers written within the last 20 years in the United States. Uh, I mentioned Professor Rockoff being the primary one, where he goes into considerable depth on this issue. And I, I, don't, I don't buy all of the symbolism that he tried. I think it's stretching to, to get into the symbolism too much. I do touch on it in the film, but uh, as, as you know, since you've seen it, 90% of the film is the monetary history leading up to it, uh, showing uh, the, the uh, climate that uh, led to uh, bomb trying to fit this symbolism into the picture. Absolutely. Um, what changes, Bill, uh, would you like to see made to the modern monetary system? I mean, what we have clearly isn't working. It's not helping every anyone. Even, you know, the middle class are just underwater in debt. What changes would you like to see to the monetary system? If you were uh, Ben Bernanke, what would you be doing? Oh, well, I don't know about being Ben Bernanke, because then, then I'd be stuck in the Fed system. And really, you, you need to discard the debt money system entirely and uh, completely rework it. Why, uh, why don't you just explain what the debt money system is? All of our money is created out of debt and in virtually all nations. Uh, the government borrows uh, it, its money, um, uh, ban banks cre create the rest of the, the money commercially. All of our money is borrowed. That's why in the United States, um, the total amount of debt, the national debt, is equal roughly to the total amount of money of what we uh, used to call M3. Uh, so it's, it's the interest on, it's the debt money system, the interest payments on the debt is what's killing the economy of of all nations at this point. Uh, in the United States, <clears throat> for example, by some estimates, in fiscal 09, uh, the United States government will pay $700 billion in one year, interest payments on the national debt. That's as much as we have spent totally on the war in Iraq. We'll spend in a single year paying as interest payments to banks the, uh, uh, the national debt is not owed strictly to banks, but primarily the majority of it is. Uh, and that's an outrageous situation. It's a, it's a mathematical... At some point, um, it, the, the system has to swell to such an extent that it, it collapses mathematically. And that's what's going on right now. And uh, I, I'm not sure how... Well, I, I, they can't get out of it. Uh, under the current construct, they're going to have to uh, uh, have some form of the old biblical jubilee where certain debts are, are written off. Uh, and eventually, if 
humanity is to sustain itself, we have to get back to a, a system of debt-free money where uh, this titanic amount of debt is not incurred. That's what the problem is. And uh, in the United States, uh, I think we should uh, – I offer several solutions in the film. I'm not an economist, but I've certainly studied it a good bit here, enough to make a movie about it in any case. Um, what we need to do is uh, uh, issue debt-free money, pay off uh, the national debt with it. Of course, that would double the money supply. And so to uh, uh, retard the inflation, you proportionally raise bank reserve requirements – uh, to 100% to have full reserve banking. So uh, then the uh, inflationary effects are uh, minimized, if not eliminated. Uh, so then what you end up with is banks can only lend money they actually have, uh, something which the average person on the street thinks goes on right now, but of course you and I know that that's not the situation. Oh, I dream of the day when we have a full reserve banking system. <laughs> now, you don't like gold in the film it's it's very clear that you're not a gold bug i do like gold uh, i like the fact that it uh, is beyond the power of any body to print um why don't you tell us why you don't like gold don't like gold i think that's too strong i don't like gold only money systems uh, I, I I like gold as an investment. I like gold as money. I don't like gold as a gold-only money system. I would not favor uh, a commodity-only backed money system either. Uh, <clears throat> even silver at this point in time, silver could not be, the market on silver could not be cornered in 1896 because uh, <clears throat> the West was just opening up with silver mines. Silver was Mining was wildcatting. Uh, it, it, the, the production just could not be controlled. But such is not the case today. In the 1970s, two re relatively small-time players, the Hunt brothers, cornered the silver market here in the United States right at the dawn of electronic trading. So uh, there's no question that uh, any, if you try to back your money with a, a commodity, much less a precious commodity, then all you're doing is allowing a choke mechanism for big bankers to control the quantity of money. I just don't see that. Uh, money should, as Abraham Lincoln said, it is the most important responsibility of a sovereign nation to create uh, money debt-free uh, for the population, and that's exactly right. Uh, it's, it's just a, uh, the folks who are gold, gold bugs believe that uh, Backing money with gold is going to control the quantity. That flies in the face of history. That's what I try to show in the film time and time and time again. It's just not the case. It, it uh, leaves the door wide open to manipulation. That's exactly what the bankers want. They, they would like to have uh, this economy crash and be forced onto a gold standard. And I think that's exactly what you're going to see in the future. You think bankers would like to see a gold standard? I, I absolutely think they would. Why is that? Because it makes um, money just as easy to control as it is today. In the film, you uh, declared the clause in the American Constitution that, um, that, that said that only gold and silver coin uh, be acceptable as payment of debt. Uh, a mistake. Why is that? What, it's, what the U.S. Constitution says is that only states 
can uh, make payment in gold or silver. And uh, actually, that's never been adhered to. It, it made no specification about uh, how payments are made at the federal level. And I, I and, and many uh, uh, monetary reformers in this country believe that this was a deliberate contrivance by Alexander Hamilton, who wanted to leave the door wide open to uh, the Bank of England coming in and uh, being given the uh, monopoly power over the creation of money, which is exactly what happened four years later with the creation of the first privately owned central bank in the United States, the Bank of North America. Uh, we kicked the Bank of North America out after four years. Uh, after a few more years, uh, the bankers had their way again and brought in the first bank in the United States. And we kicked that out. They brought in the second bank. And back and forth, back and forth, this money power has shifted throughout American history. The film's uh, already won uh, an award, hasn't it? Which award was that that it won? It's won two. It won the Silver Sierra Award at the Yosemite Film Festival, and it won the Award of Merit at the Accolade Competition in La Jolla, California, just last week. Oh, congratulations, congratulations. And so where do you go from here with the film? You, you presumably are sending it round uh, the various festivals. Uh, yeah, it will next be displayed. Played at the uh, at the two big Orlando film festivals, the Universal Studios one and the Disney one, uh, <clears throat> both within the next month. Um, and so, I mean, that's I mean, it's it's really a, a breakthrough for a, what's you know, basically you know a monetary reform uh, documentary. I, I really didn't believe that it was ever going to go this far. And um, do you? Uh, I mean, how do we get it? How, do, how does uh, Ordinary Joe watch it? Well, uh, you can uh, log on to our website and purchase a copy, and I'll uh, put one in the mail, and you'll have it uh, five days later. It's uh, www.secretofoz.com. That's just S-E-C-R-E-T of Oz, O-Z.com. One last question. Are you a Ron Paul fan? Uh, I'm a Ron Paul fan, generally speaking. Um, However, uh, Ron Paul is a go-back currency guy. And so I, I recently emailed him and said, why don't we get together and talk this over so we don't keep working at cross-purposes. We'll see if he, uh, he responds or not. I think he talks about having t- uh, two currencies side by side. Well, that would be interesting. I'd, I'd like to talk to him about it. Um, what, go uh, on. Tell me more about that then. I don't think he sees it as, as um, practical to just do away with the current monetary system and, and replace it with gold. So he, he sees a period where you have you have a, a gold-backed money and the current monetary system operating side by side, and you let the free market choose which one it wants to use. Well, but then you still you still have the the bankers have the capability of lending uh, money to. The government and really, you know, that's that's the that was uh, Thomas Jefferson's prime complaint with the Constitution was that it allowed uh, uh, the U.S. government to borrow, and if we would only eliminate that aspect, uh, then everything would be fine. You know, that's why I stress in the film, no more national debt, because if you're going to eliminate national debt, there's really only one way to do it, and that's uh, the way that I suggest. The national debt is our national money. If we drastically reduce the national debt, we would drastically reduce our national money unless we went to a a debt-free money system. There's just no other way to do it. 
that I'm, I'm stunned by politicians. I see every day on American TV get up and say, well, we have to reduce the national debt. You know, automatically, they have no idea what the national debt is. The, the national debt is the national money. You have to, you can't just reduce it. You have to eliminate it by changing the system. Are you an inflationist now or a deflationist? Because if, if you use that argument that you've just uh, put forward there, the fact that so many people are attempting to pay down debt means we're, we are, it's, we're in a hugely deflationary situation. I don't know what I am right now. I'm, uh, I, I'm not an economist. I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I, I reserve the right to go hide in my hole when ask a complex economics question like that. Okay. Well, you've exercised your right. Um, Bill, it's, um, it, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. And uh, once again, why don't you give out your website once again? Sure. It's www.secretofoz.com. Bill Still, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 